to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger. And I'm Jeff Schutze. And we have a special news, events, and what we've been watching episode for you guys. Longtime listeners will recognize this format of the episode from the summer when we talked about news and events and spent about 20 minutes talking about Marvel's Infinity War. Because we had such a fun time recording, we didn't want to edit anything out because there was a lot of good pertinent information that we kept it as a standalone episode. So the same is true with this week. So much has happened, you guys, in the world of animation. There's been a lot of news. There's been a couple of events. And we had an opportunity to watch some very interesting things. So we decided to bring this episode in its entirety to you guys this week. And then next week, we'll be presenting part two of our interview with Jack Kasperzak. I love these episodes because it's just us talking and then we're, we'll start going on a tangent and talking about movies or TV shows and then, look, an hour has passed. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, basically it's just, it's kind of like if you guys were in the room with us, with our friends, hanging out and just chatting. Mm-hmm. This has been a fantastic weekend of animation events and parties. First up on Friday night, Nickelodeon held their annual Friends and Family Monster Mash. It was very fun. There was so much food. So much. So much food. They had In-N-Out Burger this year, you guys. It was great. I never eat double-doubles, and I had a double-double. I did too. (laughs) I did too. Because they handed it to me and went, oh, I will gladly take this. I will eat all the meat. It was great. They had that. They had cheese sticks. They had donuts. They had so much candy, and they had the maze, which is always fun because every show creates a maze through the halls, and it's a lot of fun, and there's music and interactivity. Loud House had a portion, Casa Grande's had a portion, and there was this crazy animatronic Pirates of the Caribbean that was there that I was told was basically created by one person. That is amazing. amazing. Because so much work went into that, obviously, that I can't believe one person did all that. That's Yeah, pretty much from what I've heard. So if you guys follow us on Instagram, I actually posted a video of it on Instagram because it's literally the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I mean, they had moving skeletons and everything. And another thing I loved about the maze was that in between, you know sections of the maze they had candy and so i had my little bag and i got so much candy because we went on it twice (laughs) (laughs) so by the end i had like two pounds of candy you had so much candy i was very impressed like look at you you're gonna be on a sugar high for the rest of the month yep 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 and then on saturday we both had an opportunity to go to leadership burbank's halloween party which was also held at nickelodeon and I want to extend a special shout out to Vicki Fenton, who heads up our human resources team, who is also a member of Leadership Burbank for bringing the event to Nickelodeon. And also Anna Vernon Greer, who brought me along along with Vicki so that I could draw Nickelodeon characters and other cartoon characters for the guests. Yeah. How did you like doing that? Because it looked like you were having a lot of fun. I was having a great time. Mm-hmm. I love to draw As y'all know, I love drawing for people and it was a lot of fun because I've done a lot of volunteer work drawing for kids at elementary schools and hospitals through Nickelodeon. And this was actually the first time that I'd ever drawn characters for adults and they were just as excited 
and just as happy. I mean, it was great. Because I was wondering how that would be. Of, oh, what's it going to be like drawing characters for adults? And, you know, grown men and women come up to me saying, hey, could I have Tommy Pickles or SpongeBob or Susie Carmichael? And they were just so happy. And it was a lot of fun getting to talk with everyone. So thank you to everybody who came by. It was really nice to meet all of you. What was your favorite drawing of the night? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. Oh man, I had to think about that for a minute because I drew a lot of them. Uh, Lucy was pretty cool. Oh, thank you. No, Lucy was fun. I I very much enjoyed drawing Lucy. And the Bulbasaur. The Bulbasaur. I it might have been. <laughs> I drew a Bulbasaur for. Shout out to Edgar. Hi, Edgar. I drew a Bulbasaur for this really nice guy named Edgar, and that might have been it, actually. With because, a pumpkin. With right? a pumpkin, because he collects Bulbasaurs. He showed me this picture of his office, and it's just decked out in Bulbasaurs that people have given him throughout the years, and he had so many stuffed animals and toys and drawings. He just collects them. So that, that might have been it, cool. actually. Yeah. I think so. I think that's the winner. So that was a whole lot of fun. And also, I want to give a shout out to the wonderful students and the career services team from the University of Utah. I had an opportunity to go to a dinner they were hosting and answer student questions and get to talk to them about the animation industry and what it's like living in Los Angeles. And it was great to meet every single one of them and hear their stories and encourage them and give them advice about what the industry is like and you know the work environment and I'll tell you guys what I told them which is apply for internships mm. start now if you're sophomore junior senior in college now is the time to apply for internships spring summer and fall not just summer a lot of people don't realize that but a lot of times you might have an easier time getting an internship in the spring or in the fall because a lot of people don't necessarily know that's available or they don't want to take the time off from school it's worth your time I mean, even if that means maybe being in school an extra semester, it's definitely worth your time applying any time that you can. And also, I was just very impressed with how the University of Utah did things, because what they did was they organized the trip, so half of the trip was paid for by the students, but the other half was paid for by the school, and they rented buses and got Airbnbs, and they set up interviews and appointments so that they could meet different people at the different studios here in town. And I've actually never heard of a school doing that for their students. So it's a really good idea. So if you're in career services at a college, it's worth your time looking into that, especially if you're coming from out of state. Because one of the things that the students told me they appreciated was many of them had never been to California. So it was just really nice getting to see what LA was actually like because it assaged a lot of their fears about moving out here and what that experience might be like for them. Yeah, that sounds really beneficial for students. I'm surprised more schools don't do that. How did they find you? Did they find you through the podcast or through Nickelodeon? So they found me actually through the podcast. What had happened was I met two really awesome students, uh, Haley and Taylor. I met them at Ground Zero Animation Expo. Mm. They had actually heard about Ground Zero Animation Expo through my podcast, and I believe Chris Wimberly's podcast as well. And so they flew out here just to go to that convention because they knew that it would it was smaller so that they'd have a better time actually getting to meet people. So I ended up 
we all ended up going to a restaurant afterwards and just talking and we just stayed in touch. And then when they were coming here to go on their studio tours, they contacted a couple of people that they had met at Ground Zero and that they had met through other conventions and other talks that they had seen. And so they invited myself and a couple other artists to the event because they knew that, oh, we had a good rapport with them and we could answer their questions. That's great. That shows such initiative. They're totally going to be working in the industry. Oh, yeah. I have... <laughs> Very soon. Yeah, I have high hopes for every single person I met in that group because that's what you do. You just, you need to take, you need to take that initiative and just you know, not be afraid to talk to people. Because that can be, that's another thing. It can be very, very nerve-wracking to Mm -hmm. contact somebody and kind of scary and you don't know how they're going to react. But I tell you guys, nine times out of ten, you know, if you're very polite and if you're also very, if you're very direct with your question, not direct in the sense of, I need to know this now, but more if you're very specific with what you need to know and if it's clear that you've done your research and, you Googled the answers and you couldn't find the specific thing that you were looking for. You know, you've listened to podcasts, you've read magazines, you've watched the behind the scenes DVDs and you still have questions on it. Those are the kinds of questions that people really like to answer because they can tell that you've taken the time to really do your research and that you genuinely care and that you really want to know Mm -hmm. because we want to help you guys. But if it's something that you can just Google, it's like, well, okay, first Google it. Then if you can't find it, you know, come talk to me and I can definitely help you out. Right, right. It shows they're serious about it. And it's mm-hmm. not not just, oh, I want to work in cartoons. And there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. either. It's just, that's the first step. The right. first step is, oh, I want to work in cartoons. But the second step needs to be, okay, what are the specific steps I need to take? Because mm-hmm. you and I, we've talked off air about, really nice, well-intentioned folks that we've met, but it's clear that they haven't researched the industry at all. And they think, oh, I have this one drawing. I can make a show. And you're going, oh, no, (laughs) that's not how that works. That's happened too many times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like, we appreciate your moxie, but there's a couple of basic things you need Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just want to give a shout out to them. They're really great people. And now that brings us to the news. So first big piece of news is that Ed Catmull, president of Walt Disney and Pixar Animation Studios, is stepping down at the end of the year. He's going to be serving as an advisor through July 2019 and then officially retiring, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Wow. This makes me feel old. because (laughs) (laughs) Pixar doesn't even seem like an old studio to me, you know, but we're getting to the point now where it's been around a long time and having Ed Catmull retire is just like, wow. Yeah, we're getting to that time. Getting to that time period. That's that's for sure. Yeah, he actually, so this is a lot of fun information that diehard Pixar fans out there may know this, but he actually got his doctorate in computer technology from the University of Utah. So shout out to University of Utah again. And he was hired by George Lucas in 1979 to lead Lucasfilm's computer division before co-founding Pixar in 1986. Mm. And fun fact, Pixar was originally the type of computer that Lucasfilm was creating and they wanted to make an animation studio. And so he ended up selling it to Steve Jobs. And then, of course, 1995, Toy Story comes out and the rest is history. Disney bought Pixar in 2006. And that's when Catmull became president of both Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pixar Animation Studios. So, yeah, so he's been there. 
he was there before it was there. Mm-hmm. Like he's been there the entire time. And it's crazy to me when you talk about being old. There are people that I work with that were born after all of this happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's there's folks that have never not known a world with Pixar, which is really interesting to That's me. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really strange. <laughs> These kids that have only known like animation when 3D art was yeah. in it, you know, that they didn't start with like 2D art or they didn't know a world that didn't have 3D art. You yeah, know? That's, that's so weird. That is fascinating too because when I think of 3D, it was interesting doing research for this. So one of the first things that Ed Catmull actually worked on was that scene in Star Trek 3 where mm. they're doing the Genesis project and they're showing how they're going to terraform the mm-hmm. planet. Yeah. That's one of the first computer animated things ever done. Wow. And he worked on that. That's actually a really cool sequence. Too, yeah. Where the mountains come up and then the oceans rise. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And that was, I believe that it's either one of the first or the very first times you see something like that on screen. Wow. Very cool. this guy. Yeah. So a successor has not been named yet, but... Pixar president Jim Morris and Walt Disney Animation Studios president Andrew Milstein are going to continue to oversee operations. So we will see where it goes. You know, they have a lot of people in leadership, so we'll see if they even pick a successor or not. I'm sure they will. Time will tell. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll see where Pixar goes from here. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next story is from Deadline.com. Animation Guild ratifies new three-year film and TV contract. Members of the Animation Guild have voted overwhelmingly to ratify a new film and TV contract. Terms of the contract, which are retroactive to July 29, 2018, are generally in line with those achieved in the New Deal covering IOPSI's 13 West Coast studio locals, including 3% pay raises in each year of the pact. According to the Guild summary, the pact also includes improvement in coverage of productions made for streaming services and preserves health and pension benefits. So... Cool. Yeah, so we're happy that they were able to ratify that. I know that that was a very big deal and somewhat, was it a little contentious or were they, was it pretty straightforward? No, it seemed like it did get a little contentious and it kind of went back and forth for a little bit before they were able to agree on a contract. All right. Well, congratulations to everyone in the union. Hopefully one day soon we will be joining you. Yeah, absolutely. The only hiccup to this i think is that unfortunately color stylists which color stylists are basically the animation industry's only predominantly female craft these days they didn't get what they were looking for out of this contract according to deadline the guild did achieve some meaningful gains for color stylists including an official title change to color designer and an accelerated progression to the higher paid journeyman pay rate which was two years but has now been reduced to one Pay equity, however, was not achieved. Therefore, members of this craft will continue to work toward this goal in conjunction with other IATSE locals experiencing gender inequality in their contracts, the source said. So that's unfortunate that they weren't able to get it. I mean, on the one hand, I'm glad it won't take as long, Mm -hmm. which is really good, but it's too bad that they weren't able to get pay equity. And actually, if you guys are interested in learning more about this and just the history of color styling in general, our friend Cassie Soliday over at Ink and Paint Girls has a really good episode about that. So we'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Absolutely. Also, another news story is that the character of Apu is being cut from The Simpsons. Ah. Yeah. I got this one from IndieWire. 
The Simpsons is eliminating Apu, but producer Adi Shankar found the perfect script to solve the Apu problem. Unfortunately, although he found the script, they aren't going to produce it. He was hoping to... He held this contest for these scripts, and he found a bunch of good ones, two which were very good, and one which he thought Fox would produce for The Simpsons. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Fox is just going to eliminate the character just kind of unceremoniously, really. They're just going to have him be gone. And so this script is not going to be produced. I heard that this producer, um, Adi, he is going to raise money to actually produce the script with animation. And I'm not sure how that's going to turn out, but I'm kind of bummed that he actually went out, held a contest, found a great script, and that it, they aren't going to use it. You know, there's nothing that says Fox has to use this. There's nothing that says that this was a guarantee. But it's just unfortunate because, you know, Apu is, has been with The Simpsons for so long, and it's sad just to see him just kind of been bumped out of the show. I feel the same way. I definitely feel the same way about it. And I understand that he's a problematic character. I understand that he was heavily stereotyped, which is not good. And... I like that people recognize that. And personally, I agree with Audie. I would have loved to have seen them change his character because mm -hmm. he's an interesting character. There's a lot you can do with that character. You can make him into something that's definitely not a stereotype, that's nuanced and just as interesting as all of the other Simpsons characters. Right. And I applaud him for making the attempt of, you know what, we'll find a good script then mm -hmm. that showcases him as a character. Yeah. I also get why Fox might just want to say, you know what, no, let's not even deal mm -hmm. with this, but I wish they had gone this way, though. I feel like this could have, it's like a redemption story for right. him. Yeah, that would have been really cool. They didn't, as far as I know, say what the breakdown of the script or the summary, but from what I read, it seemed like it was going to expand his character so it wasn't such a stereotype, and there were going to be other Indian American Simpsons characters that had other jobs, so it made them fully rounded people. But I don't know. I'm sure they will be able to read this script at some point. You know what would be cool is if Adi just, rather than trying to produce an Apu script, because I remember we were talking off air about how he's thinking of just doing this himself with animation, rather than doing that. Pitching a show about an Indian American family or just or an Indian family that moves to America and just having an entirely brand new show. Mm -hmm. Because that's something that you don't see on American television that often are shows that are based on just Indian Americans like a hundred percent. You know, we've had a few Indian American characters and things like Big Bang Theory or Master of None, like those characters exist out in the world, but I, to my knowledge, I can't think of any shows where no, like the predominant cast is an Indian American cast. So that would be cool to have that. I agree. I think it's kind of, you know, just spinning wheels or whatever to create a Simpsons episode with animation and everything. I would love, just like you said, them to make even just a pilot episode. You know, and see, gauge interest to see what people think of this. That would be really cool. Yeah, and maybe somebody already has. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about it. There might be so many 
Indian American scripts mm-hmm. written by Indian American people and other people who are like, hey, we want to see this on television that just haven't been greenlit yet. Yeah. Or haven't been pitched yet or have been pitched and people told them no. So if that's you, keep going because mm-hmm. clearly there's a market for this. Right. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm definitely going to try and track this script down. They probably posted it. So yeah. I'd love would, to read it. I would like to read that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll let you guys know if we find it because that, that sounds really cool. And then in other news, so this is a a huge deal. Red Dead Redemption 2 is out, and it is not out without controversy. So we're going to just dissect all of that. So what is it? So it is a Western-themed action-adventure video game developed and published by Rockstar Games, which, as you guys may know out there, they are the creators of the Grand Theft Auto series. It is not... Grand Theft Auto goes to the West. There's a lot more to it than that. It's actually a prequel for the 2010 game Red Dead Redemption, which you're currently playing. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. trying to finish up Red Dead Redemption 1 before I jump into 2. And yeah, the first one's really good. Like you said, it's not Grand Theft Auto in the West. It is very thoughtful. There's lots of character development. It's really interesting. I like it. Yeah, and from what I've heard about the game, what I like about it, it's not just, oh, everything can be solved with a gun. There's consequences to your actions, Mm -hmm. and there's people that you don't know coming up to you and being nice to you or upset at you for something that you've, they've established that you've done in the game, and there's opportunities for you to de-escalate conflict, which I thought was very interesting, and there's beautiful shots of you and your gang riding through America on horseback mm-hmm. with the sun setting. I mean, it looks like a movie. It looks like a Western movie a la Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And we want to bring this up because, as you guys know from other episodes where we've talked about video games, the video game industry, it's in turmoil. There's different things happening. And I think that eventually it will be a good thing. But right now, the biggest issue is that within the gaming industry, and this is the same with, you know, VFX and sometimes within general animation industry in general, a lot of times people are working massive overtime hours. We're talking 70 to 100 hour work weeks and several reports have come out from sites like Polygon and Kotaku about Rockstar Games' business practices and interviews they've had with the president and interviews that they've had with a lot of employees. Many of them are afraid to go on record because they don't want to lose their jobs. And basically what's happening is during crunch time, which is when things are really out ahead and you have to really just push to get the game out there, people are not necessarily being told that they have to work overtime, but it's strongly encouraged or kind of coerced that, you know, if you don't, you're kind of looked down upon or maybe that will affect your performance review. And a lot of employees have reported that as a result, they were suffering from depression or their marriages were suffering or just completely breaking down and leading to divorce or heavy alcohol consumption. So there's just been a lot going on with this game. Yeah, if your boss is saying, oh, you don't have to work overtime, but I'm going to be staying here and your coworkers are going to be staying here crunching on this project, it's hard to say no, you know? So, yeah, it's unfortunate. This story keeps coming up in video games. We 
you know, just reported on the whole Telltale situation and Riot Games and yeah, it's a problem. I'm really sad to hear about it from Rockstar. I mean, it's bad anywhere, but Rockstar, man, they just made like $90 billion or something wow. off of Grand Theft Auto. That game is always in the top 10 and it's Grand Theft Auto 5 is years old. It was made for the last generation and it just continues to sell all the time. And the reason why crunch happens a lot of the times is because they announce a release date and they can't move from that release date due to shareholder expectations or marketing or whatever. And so they just have to crunch these, you know, like this one guy said, like 100 hour weeks. And if a company like Rockstar that can tell the shareholders, look, our last game made $90 billion dollars this game is going to make a lot of money too. We need more time. We need to push it. But instead, no, we're going to make our employees go through hell to get this game out. That just doesn't seem right. Yeah. And it's not just Rockstar either, like you said. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's not just video games. I mean, this happens in VFX. This happens in animation. This happens in live action. It happens anytime you have something where you have to have a date and you don't think you're going to hit it. And also, though, you mentioned something earlier before we're recording that we do want to mention too, which was originally they interviewed, I believe it was both Polygon and Kotaku interviewed the president of Rockstar and he was saying, oh yeah, you know, we work these crazy hours. And then what did he say after that? Not a retraction, but he basically expounded upon that a little bit. I'm not sure if it was the president or one of the writers, but they said we weren't talking or I, when I did the interview, it wasn't because I was saying the entire company, like it wasn't a company-wide thing. It was just myself and a couple writers had to crunch to get some of the writing done. But this was after the article came out, and it kind of seemed like damage control to me. Yeah, which I understand, because mm -hmm. I mean, you want to have the PR machine working well and bringing you in a positive light. Whether or not it was everyone at the company or just the writers and that stinks for the writers mm -hmm. still this is an uncommon thing because in the articles as well people were saying how yeah but this still happens mm -hmm. you know and not just for this game it just still happens in general and they also reported that in rockstar games as lincoln england office they were reporting that overtime was mandatory mm. and so people were getting 100 hour work weeks and sleeping under their desks wow. and unfortunately the other side of the story, too, which is too bad, is that, like a lot of these stories, they quote specific people, but they can't give the people's names because people are afraid they're going to lose their jobs. And mm -hmm. that's a big thing in the industry, too, of people want to speak up, but they feel like they can't because they know that if they do, they'll just get fired because there's so many people mm -hmm. who want to work in games that can just come in after them. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to stress to you guys out there who are wanting to get into games or wanting to get into VFX or just animation in general, be aware that these things are going on. It's really easy, I know, for us to say this because we're both working. You know, you're doing really well working freelance. I work at one of the largest studios in the world. So yeah, it's easy for us to say this. But we say this having had really terrible jobs as well before we got into this a terrible job is a terrible job whether you're in animation or not so don't just jump in without knowing exactly what's expected and what the culture is going to be like and if something seems strange 
you know, it, unfortunately, it is on us, the employees, to say something about it. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, there are people saying things about it. And there's organizations like Game Workers Unite, which is grassroots at the moment, but they had a big push at the Game Developers Conference earlier this year, who they're trying to shed light on these things mm-hmm. and letting people know, hey, this is happening. And, you know, games are great. We're not saying don't play games. In fact, the folks that worked at Rockstar have come out and said, hey, please play this game because we spent a lot of time on it and it's amazing. Just be aware that these are the conditions sometimes. So they're not asking for a boycott of the game. They're asking for a recognition that this is going on in the industry so that we can change it. Right. Yeah, I thought about boycotting the game because there was a movement that was starting to be like, oh, let's send a message to Rockstar. But then, yeah, people from the company started saying, don't do that. We want you to play this game. It's amazing. We spent a lot of time on this. And yes, just know that this is happening, like you said. And so I'm going to play it after I finish Red Dead 1. But yeah, it's... I feel like things are coming to a head. So whether the video game industry unionizes or does something else, something has to happen because these stories can't just keep popping up. Yeah, but it's good that they are because it just Mm -hmm. makes people aware. And you're right. I think eventually it'll either unionize or companies will start taking steps upon themselves if for no other reason than they don't want more bad PR, Mm -hmm. which that can be a very good force. They don't want to look bad, so they decide, okay, we're going to make sure we're going to cap off the hours at this point Mm -hmm. or extend deadlines or we'll figure something out. Yeah. So basically, as long as things get figured out and people do not become depressed, lose their marriages, or become alcoholics, because all that's very sad, Mm. we're making entertainment. We're making games. We're making things that bring joy to people. The act of creating for people's enjoyment should not come at the cost of people's health. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, so now we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about upcoming movies, because there is good in the world of animation and people have made many good things and so i'll let you take it away jeff yeah on a lighter note so this next news story is about the 25 animated movies that have been submitted for oscar consideration and i thought i'd just name all 25 because it'll be interesting to see when you know the oscar nominations are released only five of these can be submitted or chosen to go in the ballot so i'm just going to read them off here So, Anna E. Bruno, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, Early Man, Fireworks, Have a Nice Day, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation, Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, The Laws of the Universe Part 1, Liz and the Bluebird, Lou Over the Wall, MFKZ, Machia When the Promised Flower Blooms, Mirai, The Night is Short, Walk on Girl, On Happiness Road, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Ruben Brandt, Collector, Sergeant Stubby, An American Hero, Sherlock Gnomes, Smallfoot, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tall Tales, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, yay. Tito and the Birds. Wow. And that's all 25. Is this the first year that there's been this many movies? I don't know. That seems like a lot, though. Yeah, this seems like more than in previous years. Yeah, I know... The site that I got this from, there was something about this might be a large list because they have to be screened theatrically to be 
considered for the Oscar. So some of these might not get a theatrical release and then they'll be dropped from the ballot. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, several of them they've shown at work. Mm. So I, mean, I don't know if they're in wide release. And that's another thing. It's it's hard to gauge here mm-hmm. in L.A. Because fortunately, we get every movie. But I have no idea what it's like in other parts of the country and other parts of the world if these movies are even known. Right, yeah. I know most of them and have seen a ton of them. And a lot of them I want to see. Like The Night is Short, Walk On Girl, I'm really excited to see. And, you know, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But a lot of these I haven't even heard of. But now they're on my radar. So hopefully I'll be able to see some of these before... The nominations come out. Which one do you think will win? I don't know. It's hard to bet against Pixar because they always seem to win. But sometimes something will kind of sneak on through. But I bet Incredibles 2 is going to be a big contender. Mm, Just looking over this, a lot of these are foreign films and a lot of the times they don't do well, unfortunately. And a lot of these, like MFKZ, I loved. I just saw it like a week ago, and I thought it was brilliant. But yeah, do you see anything that you think is a contender? My guess will be... So here are the ones that I think that they'll actually pick. So I bet they pick Incredibles 2, Mm -hmm. Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Dr. Seuss is the Grinch, and then they'll throw in one that's not from the States... Mm-hmm. just so that they can look cultured. Right, right. But the one that will win will probably be Incredibles 2 or Ralph Breaks the Internet. Mm. Yeah. That's my guess. I don't know if that's true. And I say that not saying... I mean, these are all fine movies. I haven't seen a lot of them yet. I know that it takes a lot of work, but just historically, like you said, the Academy tends to either pick... Disney, Pixar, or DreamWorks movies. Mm-hmm. I don't foresee them doing something different unless the movie's just crazy. But then again, last year, the movie that we both wanted to win was The Breadwinner. Oh, so but it good. lost out to Coco. Mm-hmm. But I totally get why they chose Coco. So you yeah. never know. I mean, it would just have to be just so mind-blowingly spectacular where everybody just went, whoa, this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Incredibles 2 would probably still win. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. We'll see. We'll We'll see see what happens. We'll see what happens. And then finally in news, DC Universe is here. So DC Universe is a streaming service. They have an app. It's available through DC, obviously. And you guys know our show, so we talk about streaming services all the time. Because of scheduling, my goal is to get it in December. Mm. Because that'll be the first time that I'll actually have a chance to really sit down and analyze it. But it looks really cool because not only do they have original shows, but they also have shows like the original Teen Titans. And they have a lot of the DC animated movies. They have Justice League. They have Batman, the animated series. And they have a library of comics. So if you're not familiar with some of the characters that are on their shows, you can read the comics. And they they curate it, which I really appreciate. It's none of this, oh, so you like Starfire or Beast Boy? Here's 40 years worth of comics. You're just going, oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't with all of this. So it looks pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to do the same as you and hold off for a bit, mainly because... I want them to build more shows like Titans and 
Aren't they doing Doom Patrol? They are doing Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. I'm so excited yeah. about that one too. But I want them to get more episodes before I do the free trial mm-hmm. <laughs> and before I do a subscription because there's just so much to watch right now and I want to wait till they build up that backlog a little bit. I bet you so much money that that is what most people are doing mm-hmm. because we have been so trained by Netflix yeah. that we look at something and go, oh, let me wait until there's 10 or 15 episodes and then I'll watch them all at once. So I bet that there's going to be this massive spike in their subscription base once they have more of the episodes in their queue. Yeah, absolutely. And I think two or three episodes of Titans have come out because I heard a couple podcasts that I listened to that have been talking about this that so far it sounds like Titans is pretty good that it started off with a bang. So... I'm excited about it. I am too, because I really like the trailer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I like too, which is, I may have mentioned this before, but I like that they have them all at different ages because they are at different ages. Because there was a time, especially in the 80s and whatnot, where they just had everybody be the same age. And I like that, no, Robin's older, Starfire's older, but then Beast Boy's younger and Raven's younger. And it's nice to see that. Yeah. You know, it's it's always nice to see, like, different age progressions and whatnot. So that's a minor thing, but I think they did a really good job with that. And I also like the styling of all the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I like how everybody's designed in their clothes and their hair and how they, they work that out. Because you look at them and you think, oh, I could actually picture this actually existing like this. This is, you know, as realistic as you can pretty much get. Right. While still looking comic booky. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It has a really cool style to it, where it doesn't look silly, but it doesn't look like they're ashamed to be a superhero. Thing. Yeah, you know, they do that balancing act really well. Mm-hmm. And I think just in general, movies and shows have been doing a good job with that because mm-hmm. that's the nature of society now. We we demand a lot more from our costumed superheroes than we did in the fifties. Oh yeah, even from the nineties, you know, or the early two thousands. I feel like. We want our comic book heroes to look like comic book heroes. You know, some of the early comic book movies, you can tell they did not want to look comic booky because they didn't want people to think that it was the Adam West Batman or something like that. They wanted it to be dark and gritty and realistic. But now, I mean, look at the Avengers. I mean, it's hard to have the God of Thunder, you know, like <laughs> Thor or whatever, not look comic book you know? And we just accept that now, and I think that's cool. Well, just give him, you know, dark clothes and a haircut and an eye patch. Now right. he's broody. Yeah. <laughs> True. That's all you need. So that is it for the news. Now on to events. So there's two that we want to tell you guys about. So first up, an events at Noman School. They're going to have an event Deconstructing Construct, which is a new VFX short created by Kevin Margot and his team. And that will be on Thursday, November 1st at 7.30 p.m. And then next up, Loop de Loop is now accepting submissions for their latest theme shoes. And the deadline is November 25th at 11.30 p.m. in your time zone. Are you gonna be submitting to this one? I don't know, I keep wanting to and in my head, Shoes is such a cool topic. I feel like you could go so many different ways with it, but I just don't know if I'm going to have the time. It'll depend on my schedule. What about you? I plan to one day do a loop-de-loop sometime in 2019. I can foresee by then having a little more time. I have several projects that I've been working on, so no. 
But hopefully I'll get a chance to go to the screening this time around because I was Ooh. sad that I missed Fear earlier this month. Yeah, I'm going to have to go onto the website and check out all the submissions. Yeah, they looked pretty good. Looked pretty good indeed. And that actually brings us to what we've been watching. So a funny story. So we were at Guildhall in Burbank on Friday night. Shout out to Guildhall. It's a great place if you guys haven't been over there. Very good drinks, good food, lots of tabletop games, highly recommended. So all of us were there. We're telling ghost stories. I became very frightened because as y'all know, I do not handle scary things well. And so I went home and I immediately watched the first three episodes of Hilda. And I have to say, Hilda is a beautiful show. It is so well animated. It's very cute. I like Hilda the character very much. The thing I like about the show the most is there's a lot of mystical, magical elements about the show, but my favorite part is her relationship with her mother. They have a very good, fun relationship that reminded me a lot of Rory and Lorelai from Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah. And I like that a lot because in a lot of shows, especially a lot of shows where the main character is a girl, they often make the relationship between a girl and her mother very contentious and very mean and the girl is very snotty and the mom doesn't understand and that always makes me sad. And so I like that in this show. The mom is definitely her mom. They walk a good line of, she's not her friend, but they get along very well. Her mom listens to her. Her mom understands her. They don't always agree. She cares when she's in danger. So I thought that relationship was really good. And I especially liked episode three. First two episodes, I thought, hey, this is okay, but I don't really know where it's going. But then by episode three, it starts to get into more of what I imagine the show is going to be in the arc and what's going to happen. So I highly recommend it. And now what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had gone home and watched more Hilda, but instead I went home and watched more The Haunting of Hill House funny thing about that night was yes we were all talking about ghost stories we were sat at a long table and half of us were talking about ghost stories the other half i'm not sure what they were talking about but we were talking about personal supernatural events and then i I look over at you and you're just like nope and then (laughs) you got up and went over to the other side of the table Yes. I was getting, I was legitimately getting scared listening to you. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sleep. This is, this is upsetting me. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know if it was the beer consumed or what, because normally scary movies and TV shows do not affect me. But after watching The Haunting of Hill House that night, I could not go to sleep. I wasn't necessarily frightened, but I kept waking up like every 20, 30 minutes, seeing things in the corner, the shadows were moving. (laughs) But I kind of enjoyed it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. But talking about Haunting of Hill House, it's on Netflix. It's a great show. I finished it last night, I think, and just enjoyed it all the way through. It didn't really wrap up the way that I wanted it to. I thought it kind of wrapped up with kind of too neat a bow and maybe too happy because the show is very depressing it's about family 
like some real family issues like depression mental issues substance abuse that kind of thing and each episode is very just you just feel kind of like you're underwater watching it but so well done the writing's so good the directing's amazing the acting is just top notch loved it all the way through it's about a family who we see them as young people you know the mother and father and then five kids who live in this haunted house <laughs> and it's uh really it's legit haunted and then we see them in the future and see how this house and these ghosts have affected their lives later on and there's kind of some weird time shifts and just ghosts that come into the the present and that were in the past and it's just really well done and i definitely recommend it and i don't recommend it for you <laughs> You know me all yes, too I, well. Yes, I look over at you. Like, <laughs> but yes, not for you, but maybe for <laughs> listeners who like, you know, ghost stories and stuff. It's a great Halloween, you know, to get into that mood. Listeners who have a strong constitution, I admire you. I admire all of you out there because I do not handle that stuff well at all. So I'm amazed that you can watch those things and kind of sleep. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Well, most apparently of the not time. most of the time. <laughs> I think I watched all of them after midnight, you know, oh. over the past few weeks, just because that's the only time I have to watch these. And it's more fun to watch scary movies at night in the you, dark you when s- everything's quiet. It's you great. say fun. I say, <laughs> oh, geez, I just can't watch it during the day because, I don't know, there's something wrong about it. It's just, oh, there's birds chirping, there's traffic outside. I just can't get into the mindset. But when you're alone in the dark, you know, watching these things, it's scary, you know, and that's where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not you. But not me, but you. But, <laughs> but speaking of Halloween, I also saw the new Halloween. Ooh, how is the new Halloween? Great. Okay. Really good. good. Yeah. It's directed by David Gordon Green, and it is obvious that he is in love with the original one done by John Carpenter because it's kind of funny they basically wipe out all the continuity since the original Halloween. There's no Halloween 2, there's no Season of the Witch, there's no H2O. <laughs> it's just the original movie, and then this one is a sequel to that movie. So, And it stars Jamie Lee Curtis oh. as the same character, Laurie Strode. And it takes place 40 years after the original events, where Michael Myers has been imprisoned and... Laurie Strode knows he's going to break out of prison and Halloween is coming up. You know he's going to break out during Halloween and he does and she has spent her whole life preparing for this. She has gone like Linda Hamilton oh, and wow. Terminator 2 <laughs> like practicing with guns, self-defense. She actually had a family and her she has been training her daughter to be this way as well but child custody services took her daughter away. Oh, it's totally Terminator 2. Yeah, oh, totally. wow. And, yeah, it's really interesting. So Michael Myers breaks out and starts terrorizing the neighborhood, killing people, and Jamie Lee Curtis is ready. And I don't want to spoil anything, but, yeah, it was really cool. It's such a love letter to the original Halloween. And I recommend watching that original movie before you see this, even if you're familiar with that movie. Check it out again, because he matches shots. There's some dialogue matching. It's 
I won't give it all away, but if you're a fan of the original Halloween, you know, there's a scene where Jamie Lee Curtis stares out the window of her classroom and she sees Michael Myers standing there. And in this one, Jamie Lee Curtis's granddaughter is in class and she looks outside and Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is standing outside in the same place. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Yeah, so I thought that was like a cool little juxtaposition there. So lots of stuff like that in there. But definitely, if you like Halloween and Angela, I think that you would like this movie. Okay. Yeah, because it's not necessarily scary. I was never scared by this movie. It's very tense and suspenseful, but there's not like a lot of jump scares or supernatural things. It's basically almost like a revenge flick in some ways but yeah i think you would like it okay because i feel like halloween and friday the 13th i would do okay with Mm -hmm. it's anything involving ghosts in a house Mm. i don't do well with movies about the thing is in your house with you the thing is in the walls the thing is in your dreams like no i need to be able to sleep so (laughs) As long as it's not, it's in the house, yeah, and it's not a ghost. And really, I, I just don't do well with stories about ghosts. Okay. Unless it's the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze, <laughs> which is really cool, or The Frighteners, which was really funny and interesting. There's something about that movie that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Like, when the ghost was... If you guys haven't seen The Frighteners, I'm about to tell you stuff about The Frighteners, but the scene where... The ghost is in the wall, and it's a upholstered wall, and just how it moves and how it moves through the kitchen. I remember seeing it when I was younger and thinking, no, this is more cool than scary. This is, like, really interesting and neat. It felt more like a creature movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, that movie's it's weird. It's weird and fun yeah. and different. Yeah, that was Peter Jackson, right? Yeah, Peter yeah. Jackson. And then from that, they went, hey, we know what you can do next, a movie about hobbits. <laughs> yeah. They saw something in him, and they let him do the Hobbit movie, and that's great because Lord of the Rings is great. And then they did the Hobbit, but that's its own thing. Yes, We'll yes. get into that. Yeah, but, okay, so for you, skip Haunting of Hill House. Absolutely. But check out Halloween. I will check out Halloween. Yeah. And yeah. have you been watching anything? I did. Getting more into, you know, the nature of me with what else I've been watching. I've been watching We Bear Bears. <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah, I love that I've been show. watching season three. I hadn't seen season three yet, and season three is on Netflix. And oh, I love that show so much. It's so cute and so happy. And they're in San Francisco, and it's just really fun. And I love Panda, he's my favorite one. And I also like Ice Bear because Dimitri Martin's really funny. There's a line in one of the episodes called The Demon where Ice Bear and his little friend Chloe, who's this cute little girl, they're playing in the backyard and her sweatshirt gets tossed over the fence and there's a demon over the fence, which is this dog. And she goes, I can't go over there. I've never fought a demon. And Ice Bear goes, Ice Bear has fought personal demons. Years of therapy. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, wow. That came out of left field. Yeah. Okay. Ice and Bear's it, my favorite. Yeah. I I, just just his lines. This is... Dimitri Martin's line, and Dimitri Martin's funny. He actually has a very good um, Netflix stand-up special, if you guys haven't checked that out. He's just very deadpan and weird, but it's just a fun show. That and Nom Nom is great. There's a really oh, good episode with Nom Nom 
He goes in a children's show. Mm-hmm. He does not handle it well. Right, right. Patton Oswalt is great. It's yeah. just, it's just a really good show. Yeah. Did you see the one? I think it's from season one where it kind of shows the origins of yeah. Ice Bear, where he was staying with what's his name Yuri, like on an ice floe. No, I never saw oh, that it's one. So good. It's like kind of touches the heartstrings. Oh. Yeah, because you know this gruff Russian dude does not want you know ice bear around this little polar bear cub but something happens and he breaks his leg and then ice bear kind of nurtures him back to health and all this stuff it was it's just really good definitely check that out it's a sweet show there's Mm -hmm. definitely moments where i just go oh Mm -hmm. especially the episodes where they show them when they were little cubs oh yeah because those are hard because they were homeless i mean they were living in a cardboard box in the street you're just going oh geez yeah they're like little little boys just living all by themselves it was just really sad. But We Bear Bears is great, you guys. So I highly recommend checking it out. And also, we interviewed Daniel Chung on episode 20. So listen to the interview. Check out the show. It is a delight. So that concludes our episode for today. Thanks for hanging out with us as we discussed news and events and what we've been watching. And so tune in next week because instead of skipping a week like we normally do, we will have the second half of Jack Kasperzak's interview, and we know that you guys are going to enjoy it. So Jeff, any parting thoughts? Uh, My parting thoughts are to have a great Halloween and keep watching scary movies late at night. Or if you're like me, watch delightful little cartoons about little girls and bears, (laughs) and then you'll be able to sleep. So have a happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Oh,